Welcome to the Evolution Exchange. Uh, the Evolution Exchange is a platform for thought leaders within tech and fintech to share ideas on current topics of relevance to our community of technology and business followers across Asia and the rest of the world. Today, we're going to talk about a particularly poignant topic, particularly poignant topic in 2023. So talent acquisition trends and talent acquisition trends specifically for 2023. So during the session, we're going to discuss key ideas with three thought leaders in the talent acquisition ecosystem. Delighted to introduce Nina DeVorge, Simon Burney and Sergio Salvador. Uh, Nina is Senior Director, Talent Acquisition APAC for the Trade Desk. Nina's passionate about talent acquisition, employer branding, having led TA initiatives across Geneva, France, London, Hong Kong and Singapore. Simon is Area Director for Global Partner Management for WWT, Worldwide Technology. His extensive experience in regional leadership, global leadership, business operations and staffing strategy. And Sergio is Chief People Officer at Carson leading people and operations for the 5,000 strong pre-IPO organization, ex-Googler, passionate entrepreneur. So delighted to have the three of you with us today. Thanks so much for joining. Um, intro from Nina, Simon and Sergio would be fantastic. Um, so uh, should we kick off? Nina, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, yes, um, Jake, I'm going to correct you right there. I hope you don't mind, but I have only led teams in APAC. So. Uh, but I have spent some time in Europe, so I just wanted to, to, to do this little tiny correction uh, in case anyone asks me a question about uh, Europe. Um, no I <laughs> Thank you uh, for being so gracious about it too. Um, I, you know, in terms of the professional history, uh, I think you all know, uh, I work at the Trade Desk. If you don't know what the Trade Desk is, we are an independent media by tech platform uh, designed for the open internet. So essentially, we marry the marketers to the consumers with um, more transparent and relevant ad experience. Uh, I am a mom uh, and uh, of a seven-year-old who is incredibly active and uh, a beauty to watch uh, as he as he grows. So I just thought I'll share that little nugget. Uh, it's not easy uh, being a working parent. Uh, I mean, Sergio uh, will share more stories on his side too. Fantastic. Um, Simon, do you want to go and introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Jake. So uh, Simon Burney, uh, working for Worldwide Technology, which is uh, one of the largest evaluator resellers. Been around for 31 years um, in Asia now for 10 years. Uh, we, we, we specialize in solutions as well as staffing. And so this whole talent conversation today is going to be about how do we as Worldwide and what we've seen in the market and what I've seen in the market help to influence in our customers that we help provide resources to, leveraging agencies and also direct and talent sourcing. Um, I, I love fitness. Uh, it's my hobby, my passion. Wake up and do fitness and then hit the desk. Uh, as you see, work from home, have done for 16 years. So COVID was a blessing because then nobody else was in the office like me. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Simon. And Sergio. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me here, Jake. Uh, so just to add, uh, to what you already uh, explained, uh, I am originally from Spain. So for those who can uh, fake the accent, the actual pronunciation of my name is Sergio. Good luck with that. I think if you speak Bahasa, you can probably do it. Um, I have been in uh, Asia Pacific for actually the whole of 18 years now. I, uh, I am a PR in Singapore uh, of 15 years. I've also spent time in Hong Kong and Tokyo 
Um, and this is for me the place, obviously, where um, I, I, I felt always very welcome and where I decided to develop more of my career. Right? Uh, Carson, uh, I have been with the company for nine months. Uh, it is a combination of e-commerce website where we buy and sell cars. Uh, but we also have our own facilities where we refurbish cars. We offer uh, warranties, we offer insurance, we offer uh, financing, especially in emerging markets where trust and financing are difficult things to come by in what is a $1.6 trillion uh, global market in the used car industry. So thank you for having me here. Very excited. Fantastic. Thanks. Uh, thanks, everyone, for, for the introductions. Um, before we jump into the questions, just a quick quick note to say if anyone in the audience has any questions, um, feel free to drop any questions in the chat and we'll do our best to include all of those. Um, I think, you know, we'll jump straight into the first question. I think just just to be clear, all of the all of the questions that we're going to talk about today could probably be a podcast in itself. Um, so I think, you know, we'll try and be as brief as possible and make sure that, um, you know, we're being succinct in our answers and sharing as many ideas as possible. But, you know, we're probably going to touch the scratch surface on a couple of these questions, but let's jump straight in. So first question, um, how have the priorities of talent acquisition leaders shifted since the beginning of 2022 to the beginning of 2023, given prevailing market conditions? So um, I think if we start with Sergio on that one. Well, means well. First of all, I can't speak for all people leaders in the world. I can't speak for myself. So, how my priorities have changed? Um, I believe that we'll discuss this later, right? But Carson, like many other companies during the pandemic, uh, we had the opportunity to grow very fast in terms of adding new people uh, to our company. At some point, we were onboarding around 300 people per month. We literally grew from 800 to almost 5,000 people in two years. Which that in itself creates a number of challenges, but also opportunities right, that were very exciting to explore. But of course, last year, the situation somewhat changed, the markets changed, the wind changed, right? And that has given us uh, some very interesting opportunities. I'm going to mention a couple of things, uh, trends that are important for us right now. I think one of them is to bring more data and more science and more data science into our process of uh, finding, hiring, recruiting, onboarding people, right? Um, and I want to emphasize this because there's always the, 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 the challenge of what happens when we start introducing technology for certain things. There is the danger of dehumanizing the process. But for me, it's equally important to find the right balance between those two. We need more technology. We have introduced more technology. We have brought more technology to the table that allows us to match profiles and culture with candidates out there. But at the same time, that has allowed us, allowed us actually to spend more time and humanizing the process a lot more because we don't have to, we have been able to give up a number of manual processes that may or may not have been useful, may, not have been, may or may not have been actually uh, accurate in terms of providing good information to match those profiles with our needs and our culture. So that is one thing that I think is important. And the second one uh, that I wanted to mention is perhaps looking more at considering even executives or professionals as short-term hires. This is not necessarily something very common in Asia, but taking a page out of the directorship role from companies in the UK, for example, where a director is hired maybe to turn a company around or to launch a project or to launch a product, right? 
we have been looking into how we can take advantage of the learnings from that experience and that kind of philosophy in the UK and other countries in Europe um, and see how we can we can expand it right, to executives or professionals that come in, do one specific thing, and so perhaps over a few months and then they go and do something else that has nothing to do with our company. I just leave those two things on the table and perhaps that will lead to some interesting discussion and comments. Fantastic. Thanks, Sergio. Um, I guess same question or, or any comments on, on Sergio's answer. Over, over to you, Nina. Um, so thanks a lot, Sergio, uh, for your perspective. On our side, you know, last year for us felt more, uh, it, it's different, right? Last year we had the external challenges were really more competition for talent uh, with, with the big tech. Um, this year uh, is a completely different landscape, right? If you think about it, TTD is a non-consumer facing brand. So nobody really knows who we are uh, apart from our clients. Um, but that being said, in 2022, we were still able to grow our global headcount by 40%. Why? Uh, we introduced a high incentive re referral program globally. Now, in some of the emerging markets like India, Indonesia, we really leveraged on press coverage um, together with our PR team to drive credibility within the company, uh, for the company. Now, 2023, uh, and I mentioned earlier, it's a starkly different landscape, right? Big tech have taken some steps to reduce their workforce, but that means it's great news for us, right? We talked about some challenges, great opportunities, uh, and we see a sudden increase in supply. What does it mean for us? Uh, it benefits us hugely as we now have more access to talent compared to previously, placing us in a really strong position at a time when we're still hiring. Deliberately, but still hiring. Fantastic. Thanks, Nina. And same question to Simon. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jake. Uh, you know, Sergio and, and Nina, great points there. And, and Sergio, I, I, I have a bit of a challenge on one of those ones, which is around that digitization and, and how, we, how we leverage technology to filter uh, and select candidates, uh, especially when we think about what's come out recently, ChatGPT. You know, this this automation, this drop keywords into your CV to get through the gates. Uh, it sounds a bit sci-fi, but we're already in that space. Uh, you know, worldwide has done a lot of work in the last two years. We've added a thousand people every year. We've been fortunate to be growing uh, and not not uh, trimming uh, globally an organization. Um, and then in our strategic placement program, our strategic resourcing business that we have, due to the way that the, the world worked, we were able to find the talent pool globally that satisfied uh, our customer requirements. Um, so, you know, but that wasn't without its struggles. Uh, you know, finding the right resource in the right time zones, uh, balancing work-life uh, culture and so forth. But some of those challenges we see coming from 2022 into this year is a tighter talent pool. When we think about Singapore here, home, country I was born in and raised in, is we need to make sure that we balance the local talent with the foreign talent. And that's that's a conversation that, that is always going on in, in every, every country. America's the same, Australia's the same, Europe's the same. And it's that talent pool that we've realized that the job doesn't have to be in the country that it's in. So that's, that's one. The other one is the requisition to the reduction in job requisitions. So they're being more specific about what they want. They've learned that they don't need to get a generalist, they want specialists. And so there's little out there. A big one, the economy. You know, we're, we're thinking about the economy, the impact of the economy, whether we invest, you know, 26% of uh, 
the, the market in Asia is worried about the economy and, and do we invest in, in hiring and, and how do we you know, deal with that? And we're still feeling that COVID impact. Uh, you know, 21% of Asia is still struggling with uh, the, the effects of COVID. It's still there in pockets, it flares up. Um, and then as our, our workers age, we've got that reskilling. You know, a lot of stuff we used to sit at our desk, pen and paper. Now it's automation, now it's online. And, and that's for us, us to be able to do that, a big focus in, in driving that, that online side with data protection, that vulnerability side of things. So you know, it's definitely a, a shift and change, especially as we now blend back to the hybrid working, the remote and onsite working, while still being respectful to cultural diversity and inclusion uh, in, in the markets as we continue to be a global organization uh, and, and drive business into this year. Brilliant. Thanks, Simon. Um, so move on to the second question. Um, I guess there's a couple of points or a couple of answers to the first question, which kind of alluded to um, the, the question here. So I think in terms of our audience, this is something that everyone always kind of feeds back quite um, positively on. Um, this kind of requires quite a lot of authenticity to answer this question, honestly. But um, what's something that you got right in 2022 and what is something that you got wrong? Um, so, Nina um should we start start with you on that one <laughs> no sorry, I, I, sorry, love sorry. Sorry. Um, I, I love this question i love this question i think when when we think about right or wrong I, I like to see them more of like lessons learned um i have a i have a great uh mentor and he used to say things to me like there's no failure it's you either win or learn um and that's also one of the reasons why i love working here at the trade desk um agility it is is a big part of who we are. Um, we're we're not as big as Carson. We're we're only three thousand people globally, um, and uh, it feels uh, like a, a, we're still nimble enough, right, to be able to take intelligent risk, learn fast, pivot faster. Um, so when it comes to thinking about what I think I did right, um, given the size of the business and that one third of the business is is tech and R and D employees. Like we really need to think about how we pivot and and run our talent acquisition function. Um, and so what we actually ended up doing last year in Q4 was push and challenge the status quo on how we do things. Uh, we built a global sourcing function like that. Um, and even in the very early stages, right, we've already, we're already seeing impact. Um, so this is an example of how we start to think about, yes, you know, we, we can change the challenge, uh, we can challenge the status quo, um, we can pivot quickly. In terms of something I feel I really learned a lot uh, in 2023, given the, the, the ask of the company to make a thousand hires, brand new hires last year, that was 40% of our business, right? And um, we're growing so quickly. And, and that meant that I needed the resources to do the job. In APAC, we doubled the size of the team. Uh, at the same time, I... Whilst doing that, I still had 13 direct reports. Now that's a lot uh, for, for me. Uh, our team was 18 last year. Um, I personally felt I, I could not support the, the team I wanted, the way I wanted to. Uh, I could not give them everything that I wished I, I could give. There's only so much of me, time, energy, resources. Um, and, and so what I really learned from here was knowing that it's okay learning to let go and trusting that people can do things on their own uh, and letting them grow. So that was a, that was a really huge learning lesson for me. 
Fantastic. Thanks, Nina. Um, Simon, same question. Uh, something that you got right in 2022 and something that you got wrong. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Uh, Nina, I really like how you said trusting uh, at the end there. And, and that's something that's really key in worldwide is that business trust. Uh, having trust that the people in your team can do it so you can step away uh, and drive stuff. And I think one of the things that we did really well in worldwide, uh, especially in our, our, our talent acquisition space of recruiting the 1,000 people for ourselves, as well as the the um, you know the the fifty percent growth in our strategic resourcing business was the blend of direct versus agency, so leveraging agencies for the niche hires, uh, the finders, the the cybersecurity specialists, the cloud specialists, and then using our direct team to go out there and, and grow the brand, grow the talent pool, uh, you know, identifying um, old contacts that we had and bring them back to life again, you know, really invigorating that. So we did that really well, and we managed to you know fill all the roles. Um, we, we did a crazy thing and I think we filled most of our roles in August. We opened the doors and we filled them, um, so which was which was great for an organization, you know, being able to quickly fill those candidates. I think an area of opportunity for us is to is to double down on the redeployment of resources. So we think about bringing resources into the organization. Our, our attrition is low. Uh, we're, we've been very fortunate with our, our IML culture that we've been with one great place to work in America, Singapore, India and, and, the, and London. Uh, and so people don't tend to leave worldwide. Um, and so it's how do we redeploy people? Uh, and then our talent that's out in, the, in our customer space, our strategic resourcing, how do we redeploy them? How do we continue that relationship with them? How do we convert them? Um, really doubling down on that. We didn't do a good enough job. We, we did a job, but that's an area that we can definitely coach on. Um, and then just continuing to focus on doing things local on local and local. You know, having an authentic person in Vietnam, local person doing our talent sourcing. Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, rather than the traditional, we, we farm it out from one place. And we found by adding cultural diversity to our, our direct talent sourcing team and, and partners with diversity, um, that's going to give us a lot of, uh, you, know, you know, a lot of wind behind us to push us forward for success this year. Brilliant. Thanks, Simon. Um, and same question to Sergio. Sure, by all means, I'm going to answer uh, two things. First of all, I'm going to answer the question about what I did right personally and i think that was joining carson let me just put it out there from a professional perspective <laughs> from a professional perspective uh i'm going back to the topic of talent acquisition right um uh, finally launching uh, and and marrying a talent management and then talent acquisition functions within my team realizing the fact that they are very close cousins and they can feed off each other especially during a time when unlike previously we had been hiring very fast and we were essentially putting people to solve problems. Now we had to refocus and promote internal mobility, promote um, engagement at all levels and create the right conditions for people to grow within the company and support each other. And that requires that the talent acquisition function, which is our, from the perspective of people and culture is our first branding effort as a company because they are my team in TA they are the forefront in terms of providing the creating the right branding when they reach out to candidates for the first time and then marrying that and putting that into a funnel with talent management right so there is increasingly options for our people right not just to join but find purpose find opportunities to grow find opportunities to consider 
other places within the company that they may not have considered before. So it's doubling down on our people versus always bringing it bringing in people from the outside. It has to be a balance, right? I think um, uh, we got that right. What I could have got better is I wish I had started um, a very specific type of engagement much, much earlier. Because of the nature of our business, maybe 35-40% of our people are office-based. The other 60 or 65 are what we may call frontliners or, or last mile employees, as, as, uh, as it is called nowadays, right? I've, I've seen the, the expression in a couple of places already. Um, and uh, I should have realized much earlier, right, that the engagement that we do for office base is actually quite different from the engagement that we need to do with those frontliners and non-office base customers, right? Keeping in mind that in many cases, they as employees are also part of our first engagement with many of our clients and customers. They really are the, represent the representatives of Carson, right? And they may be the first representative of, of Carson that our customers and clients meet in many times. And therefore, extending that engagement to them was done. It just wasn't done in the right way because the way to engage is very different from office-based workers. So I wish I had done, I have realized that earlier, right? and it's a learning experience for me, and I started that difference, different approach um, a little bit earlier. Brilliant. Thanks, Sergio. And um, no, I really appreciate everyone's honesty um, in, in answering that question very authentically. So I Jake, think moving on to the... Sorry, Jake, what did you do right last year and what did you wrong last year? <laughs> Oh, no, I haven't I need to prepare the questions. Um, so I think, you know, <laughs> we not, not this similar. Yeah, no, absolutely far away. I think, um, you know, following following on from, from what you were saying, um, Sergio, I think one of the things that we did right as a business was um, we went, because it was so difficult, um, you know, finding people to, to come and work for us, you know, it was, it was really difficult to find um, good recruitment consultants and you know people who shared our values and it, that was something that was you know apparent from the beginning of probably from the end of 2021 but certainly rolling into the beginning of 2022 so i think you know we can we can keep looking externally um for talent and you know um, compete or we can look internally and look at people within our business currently who could transition into perhaps a more senior role uh, perhaps a different function um, perhaps we've we've not notice someone's passion or skill in an area where we're looking to hire externally and i don't think you know we're a much smaller business than all, all three of um your organizations we're 250 mm. people globally and you know we're 20 in singapore so you know we don't have the kind of bandwidth and you know huge talent pool globally to to look look at in terms of internal moves but i don't think we had um perhaps in previous years addressed um the capability of our people internally to move into different roles and i think that's something we did quite well so our head of operations um moved to take ownership of our own direct talent acquisition um and it was a it was an entirely new role from her for her from the beginning of, of last year and absolutely knocked it out of the park and you know really took to the role and she'd been with us for five years and i think you know logically it was a really natural transition because she's somebody who obviously um understands our business knows our culture um 
you know, incredibly knowledgeable about the industry while not being a recruiter herself, but, you know, transitioned into that role um, incredibly smoothly. Um, and I think, you know, it was responsible for our growth last year of, you know, 50% in terms of our, our heads in, in Singapore. So I think that was something we got right. And then, you know, somebody else in the business moved into a leadership role where perhaps she was she was reticent initially because she was relatively new to the business. And abs again, absolutely took to it um, incredibly naturally. A natural coach genuinely cares about people in the team. And I think offering that opportunity to people internally was something we'd, we'd got right, which perhaps when everyone sat at home in their pants during COVID, we didn't really think was a thing. You know, oh, we need to move this person to this role as well. Well, everyone sat at home anyway, so um, just get on with what you're doing. I think that's something that we got right last year and, you know, enabling people to a transition in function um, mm -hmm. based on giving more diversity to their role. Um, and also promoting people who you know, clearly had the capability, but you know, perhaps weren't given the opportunity historically to move into those roles. Uh, what we did wrong, I think, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I think if, if I look at this globally and it kind of relates to what we got, what we got right, we probably didn't expound the the virtue of global mobility enough. So, you know, we've got offices in Australia, we've got offices in the US. We started the US at, in at the end of 2021, beginning of 2022. Um, we, you know, we've got our headquarters in the UK, and we've got offices in Germany and, and obviously Singapore. Um, and I think the internal mobility internationally um, is something that we've probably only done once or twice. Um, and it's not certainly something which, which we didn't look at during COVID, not least because people just couldn't travel. Um, and every time we've done it, it's, it's worked out brilliantly because people know our business, that there's a level of loyalty to the people who move internationally. But I, I think you know, we probably could have actually a marketed that opportunity internally a lot better than we did. Um, I think we could have highlighted what it's actually like to work in Germany, what it's like to work in the US, what it's like to work in Singapore, what it's like to work in Australia to our mothership in the UK um, a lot more effectively. And I think, you know, that's something that we're looking to, you know, to do more this year. And even if it means people kind of doing short term secondments into our international offices to have a look at what it's actually like to work um, in an international office in Singapore where you're currently working in Manchester or what it's like to work in North Carolina if you're currently working in Australia um, and really you know making the most of those international mobility opportunities um, so hopefully hopefully that gives you gives you an answer <laughs> um, from the perspective of a smaller business um, yeah. third question so how do you see automation technology playing a part in the talent acquisition process versus the personalization of the candidate experience in 2023? So again, this is definitely a question that could be a podcast in itself. And with, you know, all the recent publicity around ChatGPT, around, uh, you know, Google's um, error with Bard. And um, I think every second post on LinkedIn I, I see now is either advocating ChatGPT and the potential uses or advocating 10 other AI tools, which are as good, if not better than ChatGPT. Um, and I think there's a risk of going down a rabbit hole, hole of trying to learn all these products and without actually ever ringing anyone up, which is probably not great for a business like ours. But um, I think, again, 
um, fascinated to hear a kind of high level view from everyone on this particular question because it's it's obviously one that could be answered in a huge amount of depth. So, with with kind of um, a couple of points in mind, um, Simon, do you want to do you want to take that one to start? Sure. So um, it's it's quite funny because at the moment I'm doing my executive MBA, so I'm I'm learning this I'm doing this HR module at the moment, HR resource module. And it's quite interesting to, to hear the perspective of my fellow cohort and, and what they're going through from a digitization perspective. Uh, we did a, a um, an ECAP, so Executive Career Advancement Program, and it was on resumes and it talked about keywords and they pushed the keywords in that because of the automation that's going in there. You know, you read a job ad and, and you, you've got to get through that first gate. Uh, it, it's a bit like Andor from Star Wars. You know, you've got to get through once you're in, you're fine. And, and that works in, in general jobs um, because at the end of the day, you still got to tip it back because it's the human you're hiring. You're hiring the human to be with other people. The culture is so critical and key. Uh, and so from, from a worldwide perspective, we are moving more towards digital. We're still pretty much, you know, we're, we're 31 years old, you know, 11, 12,000 people worldwide, 52 countries we service from a services perspective. We still do a lot of things manually because we like the human touch. We like the human factor. Challenges, uh, you know, we put a job ad uh, up in Japan for a resource, 70 people um, applied, you know, applied, but of those only seven were any good. And so automation is required. It is required to tidy that up. One one thing I have as far as the chat GPT concern is um, I like the errors that people make in their resumes. It makes them human. You know, it, it's not a perfect resume. So it's, it's definitely something that needs to happen to accelerate um, the quality we want to use automation and redeployment in development, in progression, in organization. So leveraging once they're in more, how do we get, how do we create more value for them in the organization, which in turn creates value for our customers and our communities. Great. Thanks, Simon. Um, Sergio, do you want to take that um, one next? Sure. I think I can probably build upon kind of my, my initial answer, actually, where I already brought up a little bit of the, the technology versus human touch uh, dichotomy, if you will, right? uh, which for me is not a dichotomy. I think both things are absolutely necessary, incredibly important. We Nowadays, we have more and more technology that allows us to do more things. It helps us be more efficient. It helps us waste, uh, avoid wasting the time of candidates or the time of, of my team or, or, or business units. It hopefully reduces the amount of misfires or mishires that, that we may do now or in the future, right? Because that's, that's not a great experience for the candidate, much less for the company, right? Um, but the danger with that is we have to keep in mind that technology is neither good nor bad. It's, it's just it depends on how we use it and the danger is that we start using technology too much and it dehumanizes the experience we lose the human touch we become lazy we become trusting technology too much to make decisions that may require not just science but but a little bit of gut instinct right? a little bit of here without forgetting that in the same way that we can that technology can fail us gut instincts can also fail us we are human and we are also biased so for me, the marrying of the two sides increasingly is going to help us balance our approach to, to, to matching, again, matching people with potential roles, but also potential cultural fit in the team, cultural fit of the company. 
Um, and just referring to uh, biases, right? um, I, I heard one particular piece of data last week that I want to share. It's not mine. It's in a book uh, written and launched recently by Dr. Tomas Chamorro. Uh, so I was lucky enough to be at, at the presentation of, the, of this book, which is called, the title is, Why are so many, Why do so many incompetent men become leaders? Fascinating read. But he had this, this data, piece of data that uh, he shared with us that I found fascinating, which is in, in tests where they have asked people to blindly look at a thousand CVs to match them against jobs in blind tests. The people who were choosing CVs chose 600 women versus 400 men. As we know from experience, the moment that those CVs are not blind, we'll be lucky if the numbers are reversed. We'll be lucky. So there's a, I'm going to throw in there a component, you know, maybe a bit of a topic around diversity that perhaps we may want to discuss later. Right? Uh, uh, but this refers more to the human bias that I was, that I was talking about earlier. Hopefully that answers your question, Jake. Yes, absolutely. Sergio, absolutely. Sergio, Sergio I like the, um, the the numbers on on CVs with blind blind uh, resumes. Uh, the the World Economic Forum publishes a, a, a gender gap uh, report every July, and one scary thing on gender diversity in the workplace is uh, in 2020 it was two it was a uh, hundred years was the gender gap to close. Across, across the 127 countries that they were kept in. In 2022, it's 132 years. So in two years, we went backwards in closing the gap. And it is just scary how much more we got, we need to do to remove that, that bias yeah. that exists in the workplace to ensure that the right candidate gets the right role. Because I've got three daughters, two granddaughters. It's like, I don't want them to wait till they have children before they get equality in their career aspirations and futures. There is some data that shows that at this rate, we will only close the gender gap by the time that we have destroyed the planet. If we're lucky, right? So we might destroy the planet before we close the gender gap. And the, and the pandemic has been particularly hard on women. Yeah. Uh, so we have lost ground. That's really interesting. And, uh, and Nina? Um, your your views on um, automation versus personalization. I, feel free to comment on where we were going on the, the gender gap. Oh my goodness. I will park my thoughts for later. Um, but I'm going to first answer the question on technology. I think um, like Sergio, and I always say this, a pen is a pen. Uh, I've intentionally put a pen. It's We can write beautiful literature with it, or you could take it and hit someone in terms of stuff defense right self-defense um and it's the same with technology i, th so, I think yeah. if you're john wick you can kill people with a pen i'm, I'm right. not as able right. but i'd like to see you use your pen I've, i'm more like lara croft you know <laughs> you know lara croft and tomb raider that's me Absolutely. um and yes exactly like it, it's auto technology is not new from industrial revolution back in the day till now it's not new it's here to help us reduce our cognitive load, right? Um, it's here to, to help us automate. It's here to help us do higher value work. Um, it's time. It's taking time. It's giving us time back to do the things we need to do, and that's more high impact. So this is how I see technology. Um, 
I just want to call out one example that that we that really speaks to me that that really um, demonstrates how we use technology, which is and and how this has actually helped us really personalize the, the candidate experience. Now, I said earlier in the very beginning that nobody really knows who we are, um, and in in emerging markets, we work very closely with PR. In India specifically, uh, where there are high volumes of applicants, we we put in interviewer.ai, which is a video interviewing platform to help us sieve out talent at the top of the funnel. So very specific questions we have to interview through video. The video uh, interviewing platform actually helps us identify and score the candidate based on the criteria we've put in and some questions that we've asked them. And we go around spending time on every single one of them, even if they are, let's say, at the 60% mark, because sometimes some people don't interview as well um, on video, but it actually it actually gives us assurance that they are invested in the process, something different. So investment, right? Instead of us spending an hour, we spend now five minutes looking at every single applicant um, with their application. What that this what this then means is that our recruiters then spend the time building relationship with the candidate who we then select to go on to the next process and really using this opportunity to share our why, why we work for the business, why it's a great company to join as we're building out the organization here in this emerging market, and also connecting with the other person's why and see how we could potentially work together, make magic together, right? So this is something I really want to share because this is where we talk about the human element, right? How do we use technology to help remove some of these cognitive load to help us be more impactful with the way we spend our time, particularly these candidates? Nina, just on that, um, that platform, are you, is the, does that mean that the interviews are shorter, your initial round of interviews? Or is it no, because, because traditionally they're longer, normally they're an hour. But if you're if you're skimming that funnel at the sixty percent mark, is it a fifteen minute power conversation that you then get to watch the video later and see you know, their body language as they answer the questions? No, so the videos are first. So we put them through top of the funnel. They apply. They have to have the video, and then that's when there's a commitment both ways, right? Um, and so from there, we then identify who will take on to then have the forty five minute first run of interview with the recruiter. Now, bear in mind, the first 15 minutes is us talking about the trade desk. So this is where we really use this opportunity to tell a bit more of our story uh, with bearing in mind that, you know, people may not necessarily have heard of us in this market. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Thanks, Nina. Um, final question. Um, fourth question. Um, and perhaps, you know, one of the most interesting ones as, as we look into the crystal ball of the rest of 2023. Um, so what do you see as your biggest challenge as a TA leader uh, in 2023? Um, Sergio, uh, do you want to take that one first? Figure out what's going to happen in the future. <laughs> Figure out how much I still have to do trial, trial and error, right? in terms of uh, talent acquisition to continue evolving. Uh, markets are still very, vo very volatile. Uh, thankfully, in Southeast Asia, I think 
we are bearing the brunt of what's going on in the U.S. relatively well, in my opinion, right? If we look at unemployment rate across most of the countries, for example, it's quite low, which means people can move around, right? Certainly that can help us. It can help candidates. Um, if someone is not very happy, they know they can potentially go and find something else quickly. By the same token, we have identified people quite quite quickly, right? But this um, level of uncertainty uh, means that uh, we have to be keeping an eye constantly on what's going on and adapting our approach and our strategies to the differently changing circumstances um, so it's difficult to commit to a particular course of action it almost feels like uh, you know it's, it's a constant um, yeah a, a constant state of uh, adapting to change right? which listen, you know from the perspective of maybe I've spoken as an ex-googler right we used to say that that uh, uh, change is the only constant and you just get used to you know reorganization from time to time in the same way we have to get used to the changes in the markets and the approach to identifying uh, the right people and most importantly Right. It's not so much about identifying the right candidate, but it's identifying the right match between a candidate and the company or the culture or, or, or the team, right? And because of these changes, again, it feels like it's a, it's a, it's a flow. Uh, but, you know, I particularly welcome it. Uh, it makes us sharper. It makes us uh, be on our toes and make sure that we continue building our brand, we continue building our processes, we continue creating amazing, you know, uh, employee experiences from hire to retire, which is my philosophy. Awesome. Thanks, Sergio. Um, Nina, same question. What do you think would be your biggest challenge in 2023? As recruiters, uh, we're always chasing the number, right? I mean, whether you're in a recruitment agency or whether in house talent acquisition, there's always a number, you go straight for it. But given a more deliberate growth number this year, um, my goal as a leader is to make sure that my team has, or rather will, broaden their scope of activities this year. So what do I mean by that? Um, as an example, we are really taking a step back, right, and challenging how we do things. So from operational efficiencies to process excellence to how we diversify our talent pool, right? To how we contribute to local community events, whether it's First Nation in Australia, whether it's anyone here who's been laid off, we, we're working with Stories of Asia, whether it's half the sky diversity platform where we can really try to make an impact because it's the right thing to do. This year is incredibly critical to do the right thing um, as we built for scale. And on top of that, uh, I think one of the things I've also challenged my team to do is to make sure that we're always thinking global, but acting local. I think you've talked about it as well, Jake, earlier, right? You know, this local nuances, or maybe it's Simon, I can't remember who said that. Um, but here in this company, it's, it is it, it is truly a, a, um, a global company. You know, it's been, for me personally, it's been an absolute joy working with our global teams, uh, whether it's in my TA counterparts in Namer or EMEA or DEI team or employer brand team, like there, there's so much possibility and opportunity for everyone in our business to be expanding our network across the organization. And uh, I've never personally felt that my role has been so enriched uh, in any of the organizations. And I just really, really hope that my team as well, like really sees that um, and, and feels that, and I'm sure they did because we just spent a lot of time together last week um, as a, in Singapore, all 3,000 of us, and just that access to connectivity, I think it's just such a huge opportunity this year to do more, to do better. 
Brilliant. Thanks, Nina. Um, and Simon, finally, um, your biggest challenge as a TA leader in 2023. Thanks, Jake. So, yeah, bringing it home. 3,000 people in one place. That's uh, the last time I experienced that was 2019 in San Antonio with uh, the Managers Conference for Worldwide. Uh, that was the last time we got together. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's amazing to have that many people with the same, you know, ethos, feeling, culture. It, it's so, it's so, it fills your cup as an employee. You, you feel like you, you're in the right place. Um, I, I think from a, you know, from a challenges that the LTA organization will have, uh, I, I was talking to Dan, Daniel Brommel, who's our international TA lead. So he's our, our um, director in charge of uh, finding the resources. So versus the care and feeding part of our business. And just talking with him about the challenges as we go into more markets, we've turned on entities into uh, Indonesia, Philippines, uh, Taiwan, Malaysia, Vietnam. That requires development into those markets. So it's the the challenge is going to be how do we get uh, resources in those markets, and how do we then turn ourselves around and also be able to provide those resources to our clients. Um, contract to perm, you know, within this in this uh, you know, market here is a lot of people in the more Western markets are like contracting. But we want them to go perm because we we want to value we want to hold on to them for longer. We want to give them more and, and just let things are structured. I think there's there's two more points. One is package expectation. Uh, you know, the layoffs. Uh, you know, it was the Great Resignation wave. Now it's the Great Resignation regret. It's the and it's and the challenge is how do we course correct the expectation on salary versus job? Um, because you know, hey, they they rode the money when the money was there, and now it's the realization that actually, were you really worth that much? Um, and and it's that how do we balance that with the appetite of what we can offer in our organization? Um, and the last one, you know, one Nina, you know, rightly pulled out is diversity and culture. Uh, you know, us going into new markets and doing things in new markets is really key uh, for our employees. I've got staff in seven time zones, and and I learned so much from working with them. You know, during the COVID period. Um, one thing worldwide does really well is that our APAC team uh, is is diligent in posting out every single festival, holiday, special, uh, you know, cultural awareness thing on every day in APAC in every country. And I forward that to the US and the US team are like, wow, we've learned so much from Asia about the world. And, and that's, you know, we're going to continue that. Challenges, uh, you know, if the, so long as we maintain right step with the economy, you know, uh, where our goal is to uh, add 500 more heads into our customers uh, as far as strategic resourcing and add another thousand people into organizations. So we, we're keeping growing, keeping selling, um, and it's it's working with agencies and our direct pools to to drive the grow the business, run the business. Awesome. Um, thanks, thanks, Simon. Um, really interesting, I guess. Um, We've got a couple of minutes before we, we finish, so I'll just take a look at a few of the questions that have come through. Um, which technologies will make your life easier to grow further as a talent acquisition leader? So quite a specific question. Um, which technologies will make your life easier to grow further um, as a talent acquisition I, I guess that's grow headcount further. Um, so anyone wants to take that one i'm going to take it for a little bit um and this is controversial but i don't think any technology can really replace the role of talent acquisition um the tool as we mentioned and sergio 
I'm trying very, very hard here. Um, Sergio actually said it too, you know, a tool is a tool, it's how you use it. And you can have the best tools, but a lot of it is strategically let right out here. And there's, we're in the people business. There is really no tool that can help scale that as ATLU, my, my personal belief. But if anybody else would like to chip in, chime in, offer a different perspective, please go ahead. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think uh, increasingly, again, we, we do need tools just because it's faster. It makes us, gives us better ability of gather and collect data and parse the data and derive insights from it and things like that, right? Uh, but ultimately, it is a human decision, no matter what, right? Um, it does it does change, you know, the, the level of use of automation on tools does change depending on whether we are hiring very junior uh, candidates perhaps early in their career, right? Maybe we use more technology there, but there's always a 10%, 20% of human touch. As, and, and I'm saying this as also an ex-consultant from Egon Zender, right, of five years, where when you're looking at the most senior candidates, for example, right, the technology is still there, but maybe the technology is 20% or 30% versus 70% where it's all about the relationship, the chemistry, the gut feeling to a certain extent, the discussions, the making sure that the cultural fit and differences perhaps is, is understood well right uh, but the technology again is the tool and 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 each one of us has to decide what is the best use of it ultimately whatever technology works for you that's the right one awesome simon any comments on that question no i think they were answered completely let's let's go to the next question and see what what's in the in the list cool um this question actually quite specific um, to Sergio. Um, how is Carson leveraging technology to engage last mile employees? Do you think outsourcing last mile employee engagement to a third party is a sustainable approach? Um, so I, I missed a little bit of the question there because of some sound issues, I think, but uh, um, the short answer would be not well enough. <laughs> the, the longer answer is that, um, as I mentioned, I wish I had started much earlier, right? Um, and, and to a certain extent, I'm still discovering, we're still discovering as a team, what, what, are, what are the things that work and don't work? I was talking about earlier about the trial and error approach sometimes, and, and we are firmly in there at this point in time. So I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work out in the end, right? But I do have one thing to say. Most of our frontliners uh, are actually full-time employees of Carsum as well, right? So it, it's not uncommon for companies of our size and the type of business that we have to perhaps take the route of contractors. And, and we do have a small percentage of contractors, but the majority of frontliners, last mile employees, are actually uh, part of our... They're, they're full-time employees from Carsum, right? And I want to ensure... Um, as, as a people operations leader, that we create also the best employee experiences for them. I know they're just going to be quite different from uh, the office-based workers, right? office-based employees. And I don't exactly know which technologies are going to work best. Uh, so it's a journey of discovery. But the outcome that I'm looking for is very clear. The best employee experience from hire to retire, irrespective of whether you're based in an office or not. Awesome. Thanks. Um, questions just come in specifically for Nina. Um, when looking for talent acquisition members to expand your team, what skills or experience are you looking for? Sorry, can I, I'm going to repeat the question to make sure I understood it. Uh, did you say 
when it comes to hiring for my own team, what are some things I look out for? Um, for me, number one is whether people are curious and whether people are humble. Um, this is something I cannot stress enough. I think just wherever someone's come from, they need to come in and come with the very open mindset of unlearning to relearn uh, here. Uh, we do things, probably everybody, every company is different, right? So we do things a bit differently from how other people do it. Um, so, so that's one. The, the second thing that I also look out for is whether someone can tell me a story. Uh, this is so, so key. Why? Because they're going to have to pitch the TTD story to the candidates, right? So how can they tell me their story uh, in a very succinct way and still capture my attention? Um, and, and the third thing uh, that I really look out for is common sense. Uh, this is something that that I cannot stress enough. Um, I think in, in it's just being able to really go like, is that the right thing to do in this scenario, right? And having that additional sense of, um, it helps me do my job a lot more. Uh, so these are three things I look out for. I know it's softer side of things, but I'm expecting that someone who comes into the trade desk or in a, any recruitment organization, especially TA, already has the recruitment chops. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Simon, any comments on that question? Yeah, I, I thought the uh, the art of storytelling is amazing. That's it's something that we don't do enough. As we grow up as children, we tell stories. We we go to, we get to higher in school, we get told to, to do speeches. Uh, as we get older, it's you know we tell stories, but we miss that gap in our career that we tell stories and. That's something that that we you know we drive here, and I was just thinking about our, our latest um, management consultant that that's relocated from the UK. Really good at finding our candidates and and placements into our customers. Uh, English moved to Australia, and he's hungry. He's hungry. He's keen. He's talking to everybody. He's shaking hands, kissing babies, and 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 he's already started. He's already got interest from about six customers. And, and that's because he's not shy. He's telling stories and, and he's telling the, the worldwide story, which is really amazing. And, and I try and teach that in the team that reports directly to me is you've got to be able to tell a story so that people forget what the question was, but go on the journey with you because that's the success that you can bring as an organization. Awesome. Um, Sergio, any comments on that question? I was just joking in the chat, right, that I love kissing babies as a talent acquisition <laughs> strategy. I hadn't never thought of that. <laughs> Starting Absolutely. young. Grow, you know? Fantastic. Um, I think we're, we're coming to the end of our time. So I think that's pretty much all we've got time for today. Um, I guess just, just want to say, Say thank you all. Um, and thank you, kind of both of the speak speakers to um, today for providing us so much knowledge and insight into talent acquisition trends looking forward to 2023. Um, and thank you also to our fantastic audience for listening to us. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode, um, and we'll see you next time when we discuss another hot topic on the exchange by evolution. Thanks so much, everyone. Uh, see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, Thank you for your time.